You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Good morning, Gospel Light. Thank you guys for coming this morning. And uh, as you can tell, I am not Pastor Eric. My name is Craig Connor. I'm the small group pastor here at Gospel Light. And uh, this is interesting. Today marks the one-year anniversary of us coming from China. So we spent the last, well, let's see, in 2020, we came back here. Before that, we were almost in China for eight years. And both of our kids were born there. This is my beautiful wife on the front row and my daughter. We like to keep them separate. They're trouble. And then my son, he's so much trouble, we keep him in the other building. We're not bringing him over here. Um, But no, it's been awesome uh, being a part of the Gospel Light family, being a part of this church. I've really enjoyed it. And that leads to, if you're a visitor, we would love for you to join our family. And uh, so if you're a visitor and someone hasn't got any information from you yet, would you take out your phone and scan this QR code up here? It'll take you to a web page. You fill out your information. And uh, then I can get to you later in the week. I'll give you a call, see if there's any way that we can get you connected to our family or if you need help in any way. And so please do that now if you, if you have the chance, if you have the opportunity. And then also, I got some exciting news. This whole week, we've had a ton of basketball games, a lot of them. But our Gospel Light elementary team came in first place yesterday in the state tournament. I think we got a few guys over here. You guys want to stand up? No? That's them. They won't stand up for me. It's fine. It's fine. It's cool. It's whatever. But no, they did a great job. We got some of the high school kids, Coach Parker, been doing a great job with them, leading those guys. So um, make sure and congratulate them at the end of the service if you get a chance. This morning, we are going to be talking about something that I think is kind of a sensitive topic in a lot of churches. But I think it's something necessary. The past few weeks, we've talked about discipleship. We've talked about serving. We've talked about stewardship. And last week, we talked about evangelizing. We talked about how to get the gospel into the world around us. Preacher talked about how we want to be salt. We don't want the bland leading the bland. Uh, We don't want saltless saints. It was an incredible message. So how in the world does a church get to where they're bland? And how do we get away from that? That's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning through the avenue of discussing spiritual gifts. So this morning we're going to talk about the spirit of gifts. Now, we're not going to discuss what all the gifts are, okay? Because really what they are is not as important as why they are. Right? So if we don't understand why the Holy Spirit empowers them, then we really don't know what we're doing with them. Does that make sense? So we want to kind of discuss that this morning. In order to do that, we're going to discuss 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to 1 Corinthians 12, as I give you a little bit of the background of 1 Corinthians. Paul, the apostle Jesus Christ, wrote this letter to the church of Corinth. Corinth is a city, okay? Now, let me give you a little background on Corinth. Corinth was a port city that connected the mainland of Greece to its isthmus. Ith something. Little island thing connected there. 
And um, the, the famed Greek city of Corinth was renowned for its artistry and bronze, its wealth, its immorality, and it was destroyed in 146 BC. It was a Greek city by the Romans. The Romans destroyed it in 146 BC. In 44 BC, they rebuilt it as a Roman city. Now, when they rebuilt it, they kept a lot of the Greek culture. They kept a lot of the Greek gods, and they also introduced Roman culture, Roman gods. We have a plethora of ideas. We have a plethora of uh, religion. Uh, We have many, many gods. This is a very pagan city, and Paul goes to give the gospel to this city. He stays there for about a year and a half. Okay, now that is a tough city to go into, okay? This community, this Jesus community starts to grow as Paul's leading them. The problem is that they're surrounded by this paganism, okay? They're surrounded by worldliness. Preacher last week talked about how that has infiltrated the church, and we don't want that to happen. But it's difficult because we are in a very similar culture. We have diverse religions. We have diverse ideologies. We have diverse definitions of the same word in our culture. And everybody approaches things a little bit differently. And then we take people that want to believe in Jesus Christ and follow Jesus Christ. And we put them all together as a community. And we're bringing a lot of diversity together. Which can cause division. Can. This is what's happening in the church of Corinth. Corinth, the church of Corinth is experiencing division within themselves. In five different areas. They have divisions. They have in the gathering itself. There's a lot of um, uh, arguments going on. Uh, Immorality in the church. They're discussing what foods you can't and cannot, you can and cannot eat. They have a problem with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're going, so they have five different issues in this church. And Paul decides, you know, I'm gone right now. I need to write a letter back to the church of Corinth because this is a mess. I need to bring some clarity back to Corinth. This morning, we're really going to focus on the gathering and the divisiveness that the church had in Corinth. Okay. So, this past week, we had Spirit Week at Gospel Light. How many of you know what that is? Man, it is insane. Anybody that has ever been part of Spirit Week week knows that um, kids kind of go nuts in that week. Uh, lots of posters, lots of screaming, lots of yelling. It's all good. Most of it, most of the screaming is not out of pain. It's just fun, having a good time. And as a teacher, it's really hard to control it. So this week, I just dove into it. I said, forget about controlling it. I'm just going to join them. Screaming, yelling. That's why my voice is like this right now. (laughs) Yesterday, I got up, and um, actually Friday afternoon, I had zero voice. Some of you knew from the game, like, I can't, I couldn't talk. I couldn't get anything out. And I thought, oh my goodness, am I going to have to whisper my sermon? Or text to talk, the whole thing. Like, that would be weird. Hey, Siri, say this. (laughs) You know, that would be horrible. But God is good, gave me my voice back. While we were doing Spirit Week, okay, there's two things that started happening. Now, I love Spirit Week. But the purpose of Spirit Week is to draw the school together. Right? To have fun. Unite. 
or tear each other apart. Either or is fine. And uh, at the beginning of the week, I felt like this got really kind of divisive at first. Towards like this grade against this grade. We're not sharing anything. We're not doing anything with you guys. You're dead to me this week. That kind of thing. Not going to go any further. But that's not the purpose of Spirit Week. Right? But by the end of the week, we combined all different kinds of grades. We were throwing Coach Tim off, our principal. He's like, how do I score this? There's 12 grades doing one chant. It was a, it, so it ended up being a lot of fun. And we got to the purpose of Spirit Week. But that's not the way it started. Spiritual gifts are the same way. Spiritual gifts have a certain purpose in the church. But if they're not used correctly, they end up contradicting that purpose. And what is produced is opposite of what Jesus Christ gave them to us for. So we want to discuss that this morning. Just, we're going to walk through 1 Corinthians 12. How many of you love the Word of God? I believe it's a thing that changes us. It's a thing that transforms us. It empowers the lives that we have. And we have to get into the Word of God if we want to see differently so we can seek differently. I love that song. I love that song. The Holy Spirit changes what we see, so it changes what we seek. We want to change what we seek in a world that keeps throwing up advertisements to us. Look at this, look at this, look at this. We want to be a focused church. One purpose, one person. So let's do that this morning. Let's figure out how to do that, and let's figure out why God gives his people spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2. Let's turn your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2. I'll read it for you here. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be, what's the word? I think this is one of the first problems with spiritual gifts. I think we're just uninformed. We don't want... This, is, this can be a very sensitive topic, so we just have a tendency to kind of ignore it and push it to the side. Well, here's some dangers of ignoring it. Here's some dangers of ignorance, ignorances with spiritual gifts. Okay, the first one is this. Ignorance is something that causes us to misunderstand who Christ is. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it says this. Therefore... I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, I found out something very interesting. Why would Paul have to address the church? Hey, listen, guys, if someone says Jesus is accursed, it's not true. It seems like if the church is built on Christ, why would I have to say this? Well, I'll tell you. Some people in the church were misusing scripture and leveraging it to say Jesus was actually cursed. They were using a verse out of context. They were using Deuteronomy 21:23, where it says his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day for a hangman is cursed by God. They were using a verse out of context to say Jesus is cursed in the church. And these and this church of Corinth, they were having all these gifts where there was speaking gifts, 
right? Prophetic, teaching, tongues. They had all these gifts, but then they couldn't discern what was actually prophecy and what was a lie. Because they misunderstood the gift. They misunderstood the purpose. See, if the Spirit says something, he's going to say Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel, right? That's the good news, is that Jesus came to die for us in our sin. He is our Savior. He is our King. He is our Lord. That's exciting. But if we misunderstand the purpose of gifting, we end up contradicting that. The second thing is, spiritual gifts can cause division. We don't want to be ignorant because spiritual gifts can cause, a misunderstanding of it can cause division. Misunderstanding of spiritual gifts can cause division. How many of you guys love basketball? You like basketball? Okay, good. Get a group of guys in a room together and bring up two names and see what happens. We're going to have the GOAT conversation. LeBron versus Jordan. You'll be there all night. I've wasted many afternoons and evenings arguing who's better. And at the end, nobody's convinced. We just hate each other. Well, a lot of times we take this, in those arguments, it's so funny to see how ill-informed some people are, but they are so dogmatic that they are right. And I believe there's only one right answer to that question. We won't get into that, though. But they're not informed on anything. And so it causes this division among friends over people they don't know. Some of them weren't even born yet when Jordan played. But you have this division going on because we're uninformed. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 said, now there are a variety of gifts. Variety means a lot, right? Different kinds, diversity, same spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. See, we misunderstand, one, when we have misunderstandings of spiritual gifts, we, we forget the purpose. We are ignorant and we misunderstand who Christ is. The second thing is we use these spiritual gifts, the very gifts that God gave us to cause division when we misunderstand spiritual gifts. We also misunderstand the purpose of spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, as we continue reading through this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For what? What is it for what? For me, personally? So I look good? So people like me? No, why is the gift given? For the common good. It's outside of me. It's for the good of those around me. See, we don't want to cause confusion about these gifts. That's why we're not really discussing what the gifts are. Because I believe that God gives a lot more gifts than what he mentions just in 1 Corinthians 12. We have some very gifted people in our church that use their gifts to serve other people and love other people in many ways that are not mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 12. But they're loving people. Let them continue. So we don't want to cause confusion. 
So now that we discussed the purpose of talking about these spiritual gifts, let's talk about the second thing. Let's talk about the source of the spiritual gifts. Because this is important. Where does it come from? Let's continue reading here. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. Now there are, we're going to reread this. Now there are different gifts, but the same. There we go. There are different ministries, but the same. And there are different activities, but the same. Work all of them in each person. A manifestation of the is given to each person for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. Here's the thing. The the source of spiritual gifts is not you. You don't get to choose them. Okay, it's not a supermarket of spiritual gifts that you walk up and you go pick one off the shelf and then you check out and you say, I want this one. The spirit looks at his church and he looks at his creation and he says, what does the church need and how can I use my creation to fulfill that need? I want to empower this person to love this person. See, if I got to choose the spiritual gift though, I'd be going for the one where I'm seen the most, I'm heard the most, I'm respected the most. And I think a lot of us would be in that category also. Left to our flesh, we care about one person. Us, me, right? And that's why the Spirit says, listen, this isn't a choice that you have. This is something I empower. A spiritual gift is not mine. It's by the grace of God given to me, manifested in me by the empowerment of the Spirit. It's not a tool that is to be used at just my disposal. I am submitting to be used. I don't leverage God's grace for my own will. It says, as he wills, right? Empowered by one and the same spirit. If we understand Who empowers these gifts in us? We will get our identity back. Here's the thing. There is an identity crisis going on in our culture. We don't know who we are. On one hand, you hear, just the way you are is perfect. (laughs) They don't know me. And then you have over here, everything needs to change. Everything about you needs to change. You've been lied to. You've been duped. That's a problem. We have two extremes here and no process of becoming something. We have an identity crisis here. Not because we don't know who we are, but because we don't know whose we are. We don't know who is working in us. We don't know how to identify our value. We end up saying what we do is who we are. Actually, who you are determines what you do. And if we would submit ourselves to the power of the Spirit and understand without Him we are nothing. But with Him, we are powerful. By the power of of the Spirit working through us. We can love people. We can help people. 
We can encourage people. But until we understand that our identity is found in him. Not in what I do out here. Then we'll never do anything out here and we'll be confused about who we are. You see that problem? And it renders the church powerless. Because we have cut off and quenched the spirit. We lost focus. Does that make sense? And we don't want that. We want to be an encouraging light in our community. We want to be the salt of the world. But in order to do that, we have to understand where power comes from. Who is supreme? So let's go to number three. The purpose of spiritual gifts. We talked about the purpose of speaking about it. We talked about the source. Now let's talk about the purpose of the gifts themselves. In 1 Corinthians 12, I can see two purposes. So let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 again. Okay? Now we're going to focus on those big, bold words there. Okay? Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. Here's something interesting. I saw this this week and I got excited. What's the first one? Same. Second one is same. Third one is Trinity. Same spirit, same Lord, same God. One. Three in one. Now, look at the body of Christ. We're not all one person. We're many members, one body. Many members, one body. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, one God. We are actually, the church is is Christ's body. People don't see you when they see the church as it should be. They see the character of God in the church. When we are functioning According to our purpose. And the spirit is moving. That's exciting. We can make a difference guys. If we just submit. To Christ. And he'll fill us. And he empowers us. And he moves us. See the problem. With the misuse of spiritual gifts. Is that it also, when you misuse a spiritual gift, it misrepresents the character of God. It's the reputation of the church, not the individuals. Because the church is the body of Christ. And that's what I care about. If we all go around, what about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? Okay, but what do they see then? When the purpose and motivation for everything is selfish, we lose the lost. When it's him, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. The church is lifting up Christ as the body of Christ. And when we fail to be the body of Christ, the lost are left.
There is a difference here between unity, though, and uniformity. God is not the purpose of this right here being in the same spirit, same Lord, same God, is not that everybody looks alike, dresses alike, talks alike, acts the same way, goes to the same places all the time. That'd be weird. Purpose is not uniformity. The purpose is unity. So what are some differences? One, unity scripturally here from 1 Corinthians, unity is produced through diversity for one purpose. Through diversity. Okay, do we have all the same gifts according to 1 Corinthians 12? Do we have all the same activities? All the same services? Very diverse. Do we have the same God? Do we have the same Lord? Do we have the same spirit? Unified. You see that? We can be different. Same purpose. Same Lord. Same spirit. Same God. Unified. The difference is uniformity, though, is produced by conformity as the purpose. Now, I don't mean conformity to the Spirit, so please don't misunderstand me. Please conform to the Spirit. And we're transformed into the likeness of Christ. Conformity, though, says, well, I want everybody to look like me. Dress like me, act like me, talk like me. And that way we'll get along. If everybody would just think and act like me, we'd be unified. That's not unity, that's uniformity. There's no diversity in that. Next, unity centers on one person, Christ. Uniformity also focuses on one person, me. Be careful that as we move forward and as we are a church being unified together, that I am not the focus of what is right and wrong. I am not the standard of the morality of this church. He is the standard for all that we do, all that we say. Everywhere we go, it's got to be Jesus, 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 Jesus. It cannot be me. I got to get me out of the way. But when I put myself into the equation, uniformity happens. So what happens from that? Clicks. Clubs. Because now I'm going to hang around with everybody that's like me. And I'm comfortable here now. Don't really want to talk to anybody else. I'm good. These people are like me. And then this group over here, well, we don't really like them because they're not like us. Same church. Same body. Should have the same purpose. But when we become the center, we create division. Unity breeds accountability, whereas uniformity breeds deniability. Unity looks at it and says, listen, this isn't about me. It's about our purpose. And I believe there's something right now in my life that I need to get rid of in order to find him. Can you help me? And it's that person saying, yes, and I have something in my life that I need to get rid of because it's keeping me from him. Keep me accountable so that we can unify around the same purpose, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Whereas uniformity, though, breeds deniability. What's okay to do? Because they did it. 
As long as we're all doing it together, it's okay. Because remember, uniformity says the standard is me. Unity says the standard is God. That standard's a whole lot harder. So don't get me wrong. I'm not letting anybody off the hook here. That's a tough standard. It's a gracious one too. It's a merciful one. It's a forgiving one. I have trouble doing that for me though. Uniformity in diversity, unity in diversity gives you the tools to solve the conflict, whereas uniformity ignores it. Unity, a godly unity. I need to stress this, okay? It's not everybody in the church sitting around holding hands singing kumbaya. In order to have unity in a godly manner, there is going to be confrontation, there is going to be conflict. What did preachers say last week? No offense, no effect. Now, if I was perfect, there'd be nothing to confront. But there's not a single person in here that's perfect. But here's the thing. In unity, there is conflict and confrontation in humility and love. In conformity, we don't have those tools, so we just have to ignore it. Because who's the center of uniformity? Do I have real love, grace in me? By myself? Outside of Christ? No, I don't. So when I make me the center, I can't offer something that I need to offer. So I have to ignore it because I don't have the tools to fix it. I can't point you to anywhere. But when we have unity, conflict is okay. What's your goal? Get to Jesus. What does he say? All right, then let's do that. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's strive together to get to that point. I, I want my problems to be revealed because they're keeping me from him. And I love him so much and I hate the things that are keeping me from my savior. So please help me. You see the difference between unity and uniformity? Huge difference because one, Jesus is the center. The second one, I'm the center. Differences are either contradictory or complementary. But they're different differences nonetheless. We have different, we have different services. We have a variety of activities. We have different gifts, many differences. Same God, right? That's complementary. All these things are working in the same God, same spirit, same Lord, same purpose. Different. One person. Does that make sense? When they're contradictory, it's when you have someone in the church saying Jesus is accursed. Versus Jesus is Lord. Can't have that. That's a difference that's not acceptable. Why? Because of the character of God. Because remember, who's the standard? Jesus. So when it crosses the standard, that's a difference that's got to go. When it's inside Christ, that complements the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 21. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit... 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of those tongues. A lot of different stuff going on here. One thing stays the same. Spirit. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportion to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in Christ. Sorry, I've lost my place here. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. We have many and one all the way through this passage. All the way down to the last verse of this chapter. You have, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, be, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. I read all that on purpose. I know it's a lot. But it's Bible. God says it, Paul says it, way better than I say it. And I wanted to read the rest of that chapter for you because I want you to understand something. This week, like I said, we did Spirit Week. Friday afternoon, voice gone. Here's the thing. Didn't have a cold. Heart was fine. Brain was fine. Everything was functioning great. Except these little cords down here. The whole body was healthy, but had no voice. Small part. 
limited the reach of the body. So many times we look at the major things in the body and we think, well, we're kind of insignificant. No. Every one of us is significant because you give the church a voice. You can cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We can't do that without one another. If you look at a basketball team, we had a lot of basketball this week. A lot of different heights on the court. A lot of different skill levels. A lot of different positions on the court. A lot of different rotations. Different people on the bench. Different fans. A lot of different pieces. But if you look at a basketball team... Each position has its own strength. Different. But work for the same purpose. Trying to get a W. Right? All working differently. All look different. Different assignments. Different movements. Same team. What happens when a team starts fighting each other? Big L. The body of Christ is a team. We don't need to be fighting inside here. We need to be allowing the spirit to empower each one of us to do what? Encourage each other. Love each other. Help each other. Push each other forward. Not down. Don't trip them. How many of you are, are no casting crowns? The, okay. They have this song called City on a Hill. And um, here's what it says. It says, did you hear of the city on a hill, said one old man to the other. It once shined bright and would be shining still, but they all started turning on each other. You see, the poets thought the dancers were shallow and the soldiers thought the poets were weak. And the elders saw the young ones as foolish and the rich man never heard the poor man speak. But one by one, they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind, and the light began to fade on the city on the hill. Each one thought that they knew better, but they were different by design. Instead of standing strong together, they let their differences divide. And one by one, they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind, and the light began to fade in the city on the hill. But the world is searching still. But it was the rhythm of the dancers that gave the poets life. It was the spirit of the poets that gave the soldiers strength to fight. It was the fire of the young ones. It was the wisdom of the old. It was the story of the poor man that needed to be told. But one by one, they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind. And the light begins to fade in the city on a hill. We're called to be lights, guys. No, we're not all the same. We're going to be different. Same goal, though, guys. If we look at the purpose of these spiritual gifts in practicality, it's not just unity, it's also love. If you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 12, so with yourselves, we're going to skip ahead here a little bit, so with Yourselves, since you are eager for, the man, for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3, it says, 
pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one who understands, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. 1 Corinthians 13, we don't have time to read the whole thing, is about one thing. Remember at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, and I will still show you a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13, you know what the whole thing is about? Love. And by the way, you want to talk about an identifier. It says that if I don't have love, here's an identifier for you. I am nothing. How many of you want that identity? Want that value? Because who is love? God. And if I have him, I have my value. Without him, though, I am nothing. God wants the church to love. So practically speaking, we'll go through this quickly here. One thing I want to let you understand is in this, in this passage, no gift is ministry specific. It doesn't say prophets, you've got to be on the platform. Teachers, you have to be in the classroom. It doesn't say healers, you need to be in a hospital. It doesn't give you a ministry to put that gift with because it's not about leveraging the gift to serve. As we serve, God gifts you. He gives you a gift to serve with. Just serve. Get involved. God, we, in every ministry that we have, we need all kinds of gifts in it. Because what ends up happening, we end up dividing according to gift. We divide again. That's not what we want. We want a variety of gifts in different ministries. And then the second thing is, love people as God loves you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in what? Boom. This is what I want everybody to understand. Love is not just this feeling. Love is also truth. True love doesn't step outside truth. So listen, one thing that I tell people sometimes who come to me, that they'll say, listen, I'm struggling with this sin. Okay, what I want you to understand first is I love you. I love you. Secondly, when someone says, listen, I fell into sin again. It's not okay, guys. It's something we have to deal with. But we have the tools to deal with it. But I don't want to accept that sin because it's not truth. It's hurting you. It's toxic. I want God to help you actually heal. So we're going to have to confront that. So even in our love, I want you to understand who is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is Christ. John 1 says that the word became flesh and the, and the word dwelt among us, right? Um, first John, I mean John 1.14 
The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the word. Listen, here's what you need to understand when we're loving people. Love is encouraging. Love is uplifting. Love is helpful. Love, but I want you to understand this. Love is scriptural. See, the world has an off-brand love. And if we follow the world's definition of love, we'll tear this church apart. But if we love with the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be unified. One purpose for the common good of this church. The Spirit never contradicts the Word of God. It only complements it. And gifts enhance the word of God. They do not distract from it. So if someone says, I have the gift of prophesy, prophesying, great. What do you think I should do? Well, I think, I think you should leave your wife. Yeah, no. Mm, negative. Not doing that. Why? It's outside scripture. Because what, what we need to understand is that the spirit... Let me read this verse for you right here. It says, when the spirit, this is John 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Does he speak on his own authority? What does it say? Yes or no? No, he doesn't speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will say. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, Jesus Christ, is talking here. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So everything that the Spirit says is just what Jesus gave him. So is Jesus going to contradict himself? No. Jesus is never going to step, the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you to do something outside of Scripture. It's always, Scripture is going to be the foundation there. Romans 15, 1 through 7. I'll end with this passage and then we'll conclude. 15, 1 through 7 says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. How many of you need some hope? Yeah, I need some hope. Things this year, 2020, man, did everything it could to take hope. It did everything it could to, to make the world a negative place. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still alive. He's still in control. The spirit is still more powerful than the president. Still more powerful than politicians. Still more, just like he was three years ago, still today. It doesn't matter what party's in there. It doesn't matter what social agenda is out there. Christ is king, period. That's where we find unity.
And when somebody is down, you pick them up by showing them the king. When somebody is discouraged, get them to the king. That's our hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement, (laughs) I like that description, grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, here's our purpose, guys, the spirit of gifts, here's the purpose, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For what? Let's try to say it together here. For the... I like hearing that. For God's glory. This is bigger than us as individuals. This is, we need to usher in a kingdom mentality. This is the kingdom of God. And I am so excited about what God is doing at Gospel Light. We have discipleship. We have people in the word. We have people studying the word. We have people that have sincere, intense desire to follow Christ. Keep it up. When someone's on fire, don't try to douse that flame. Try to get lit. Join them in that. Encourage one another. Why? Because this is about him. I want him to be seen. He'll bring clarity to the confusion. He'll bring hope in the darkness. He'll bring light to that darkness. That's what I want. And guess what? You benefit individually too. The Spirit, in conclusion, the Spirit empowers gifts in His people to unify them in encouraging, comforting, uplifting, and loving the church according to Scripture. By loving the church in truth, we love the body of Christ. By loving the body of Christ, we glorify Christ. And when we glorify Christ, we fulfill our purpose. Let's go out this week and make it a goal to encourage, uplift, and love somebody in the church. Will it be comfortable? No, growth isn't comfortable. It'll be effective. It'll be joyful. It'll be peaceful. It'll be loving. God loves you, church. He's so gracious that he gives us gifts and empowers us to love one another. And here's the thing. Hurt people hurt people, right? But you know what is also true? Helped people help people. And love people love people. You want to reach the world outside of this church? Love one another first. And then as you love people, those people will love more people. And those people will love more people. And Christ will be glorified. He will be lifted up. And he will draw them in. But it starts here. With us loving one another. That's the spirit of the gifts. Forget about what the gift is. Understand why God gives it. And this world will be flipped upside down. This community will be flipped upside down. Let's love Jesus. 
And if you're here today and you have not started a relationship with Jesus and you want to be part of this family, you want the accountability, you want to grow, you want to have joy, you want to be satisfied. Maybe you have been searching and searching and searching because there's just this hole that can't be filled. I know someone who can. If that's you, you make sure and you meet me down here. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you and I'd love to introduce you to the amazing Savior that I have. To the God that'll make everything different. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you so much for transforming us. Thank you so much for your power. Lord, I pray that you would reveal things in us that are quenching your spirit. I pray that you'd help us, lead us in loving one another, stepping outside of our comfort. Stepping outside of what we're familiar with and humbly come before your throne and just say, send me. Maybe it's to the neighbor. Maybe it's to the person sitting next to me in the pew. Just let me love. God, continue to speak in us. Continue to speak among us. But Lord, speak through us. Work through us. Today we want to humbly come before you. Empty ourselves. Please fill us. So that the world outside of this church can see your grace, can see your mercy, can see your holiness, and can see your love. We love you so much, and we can only pray these things because of your son. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. If you would stand with us now.